0: uh, verses 23 through 27 it says and when he was entered into a ship his disciples followed him and behold there arose a great tempest in the sea insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves but he was asleep and his disciples came to him and awoke him saying Lord Lord Save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? One more verse of Scripture in Psalm 56 and 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And tonight we're going to talk about uh, abundant faith. Abundant faith. Let's pray for the lesson tonight. Precious Lord, we love you tonight and thank you for your goodness and mercy. We're so thankful that you're a very present help in our time of trouble. Lord, tonight I pray that we will learn from these times of trials and tribulations. and Lord, that we will trust you more and more. Lord, anoint these lips of clay for just a few moments. Help me to teach and preach a word to your people tonight that will encourage and lift them up and strengthen them. And We're going to give you all the glory for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Wherever you are, just clap your hands to the Lord and, and give him a big shout for his word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your word tonight. We love the word of God. and We appreciate you so much. Thank you again for tuning in to us tonight. And uh, we, you know, we've been excited uh, about uh, the results that we've had from our live stream. But it, it's definitely uh, getting time for us to start getting back together. And so we are thankful that we are able to do that. And we're going to make that happen just as quickly as we can. I have mentioned this over the last few lessons uh, that I have preached. It seems like there's one scripture that stands out, and I have preached it so much. But Jesus. Uh, may mention that he had come to give us life and life more abundantly. And tonight we want to talk about that abundant life, but we're talking about abundant faith. And faith is definitely part of our life. And if it's part of our life, then uh, Jesus said you should have life more abundantly. And so I need to examine myself sometimes and see as my faith... uh, being abundant? Am I more abundant in my faith now than I was when I started walking with him? In the middle of this uh, pandemic and this crisis that the world is in today, do I find that my faith is more abundant now? Is it overflowing? Am I trusting God in what's going on? Because uh, fear and worry will always come to challenge your faith, but you can be assured tonight that God will sustain you through the storm. God is going to take care of us. God will supply all that you need. The Bible says He supplies our needs according to His riches and glory. God will give us everything that we need to live an abundant life. If Jesus said that we might have life more abundantly, that doesn't mean He's just going to put that under your pillow when you wake up in the morning and say, wow, more faith. More mercy, more power. more. You know, it's, there's going to be a way and a process for this to get there. And, and once we begin to follow him, our faith must increase as we take up the cross daily. Right. Because Jesus being who he is and Jesus having done what he has done, it should cause us to have abundant faith more than ever before. And so uh, I want to make sure that as I live this life for him that uh, i 'm not just living beneath my privilege, so many times we don't take advantage of what God has provided for us. we don't uh, access we we've mentioned this before that after you have received the Holy Ghost, it says uh, that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you, but just like in a in a home where power. Uh, you're, you could build a house, have everything ready. The power company will run power to your home. But unless you flip the main switch in that box, uh, there, the power stops outside at the structure. It never gets inside. And, hey, even if you flip it on where it's inside, but you never touch a light switch, you never push a power button, you're not accessing the power that is flowing through that structure. Isn't it a shame that we have all this power in this structure? The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Isn't it a shame that we have this kind of power, Holy Ghost power in this structure, yet we're not activating the power? I want to make sure, uh, you know, so many times we just lay it all on God to just, hey, he, he said he supplies me daily with benefits, but he does not stuff them in your pocket. Uh, You know, just like with the children of Israel. He said, I'll feed you every day. There'll be manna from heaven. But you're going to get your lazy self up out of that tent and go gather it yourself. I'm not going to put it on a silver platter. I'm not going to send angels to wait on you. You're going to get up, put your shoes on, wash your face, and get out there and gather what I have provided. I'll give, but you're going to gather. And so uh, he he wasn't going to gather it, knead it, bake it, and have cakes waiting for him. They were going to have to do this on their own. That's a whole nother message, praise God. But I want to have that abundant faith. But having abundant faith does not just come with saying, Hey, Lord, I believe in you. You're going to see some things as your faith begins to grow, uh, and it will make your faith grow. Now, when we read this story, uh, we, we realize, number one, that Jesus was in the boat. And I'm sure, you know, see, we have the benefit that as we read this, you know you've done it while you're sitting nice and warm and dry and comfortable drinking your coffee in your recliner, and you begin to read that there was a great storm and the disciples were afraid, and you go, pshh. Why are they afraid? What are they scared of? I wouldn't have been scared. Man, Jesus is in the boat. What's wrong with them people? But they don't have the benefit of having this written out in the gospel to read before it happened. This was their real life experience. And why would they be afraid? Well, it's because they didn't know then what we've already read. Or maybe it's just because they're human and fear is a human emotion. Or, or maybe, hey, because it's real. It really was storming it really was getting dangerous uh, there was the threat of dying uh, the storm the wind the waves drowning was a very real possibility or maybe it could be because some of these guys who had uh, been fishermen in their life f- prior to following Jesus they knew what it was like to be in a storm before Jesus and they had seen people maybe capsize or sink or die in these storms Uh, in Galilee. I can tell you from experience, my wife would amen this, that we have been on the Sea of Galilee, and we know we were actually there when a storm came up, and because the way that valley is formed, storms happen very quickly there. They can come up on you in just an instant, and not just a little breeze and a little rain. I'm talking about uh, making waves, white capping, and rocking your boat very, very quickly, and this hit them uh, it seemed like out of nowhere, but it was real nonetheless. So before we get all, mm, I wouldn't have been afraid, guess what, you weren't on the boat. Uh, you're reading this in the comfort of your home or you're listening to it uh, while you're jogging and it's in your iPod or, or phone or whatever they call it now. And uh, so don't don't be too hard on these men. Uh, this storm was actually real. When they came to Jesus, shivering and wet and cold and and fearing for their life, it was real to them, and uh, so they woke him up. Lord, save us, we perish. When he gets up, he deals with them before he calms the storm. He looks at them. I'm sure, man, you know, they may have been bruised up, bloody lip, getting thrown around that boat, soaking wet, cold, scared, shaken these 12 men, 12 grown men, afraid that they're about to die. And before he does anything with the storm, he says, why are you fearful? And uh, oh, ye of little faith. Now, this is where we certainly in our our own lives have the benefit of what we should have read and believed. If we're going to Use that on them when they get scared. Now, we've got to turn around and examine ourselves. Why do we get fearful in our situations? That was real to them. Well, Pastor, it was real to me. Okay, I can get with that. But listen, don't act like it wasn't real to them. You know, why are we fearful? I think Jesus asked him, why are you fearful? Sometimes he wonders why. We are fearful. He didn't say, why were you fearful? He says, why are you? Why do you stay in a state of constant fear? Why are you now, even now in my presence, with me awake, looking at you, talking to you, knowing who I am, why are you remaining? When he says, why are you fearful? He's saying, why are you in a state of fear, not trusting me and not having faith in me? Why are you like that right now? Have you maybe forgotten who I am or have you forgotten who you are? You know, sometimes our faith, uh, sh- well, our faith should always be uh, centered around who he is. But sometimes our faith can be built on knowing who we are. If he's my father, I'm his child. Yeah. That gives me faith. If he's a deliverer, then I'm one going to be delivered. That should give me faith. If he's the savior, I'm the one being saved. That should give me faith. Isaiah wrote it like this. The Lord speaking in Isaiah 51 and 12 and 13. The Lord said, I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou, that thou shouldest be afraid of man that shall die, and the son of man which shall be made as grass. And forget, and you forget the Lord your Maker. Who are you that are afraid? It's just like what Jesus was asking them. Why are you afraid right now? Why are you fearful? Why are you in this state of fear uh, just because of some wind and some water and you have forgot the Lord thy Maker that has stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and has feared continually. You, You fear continually a constant state of fear every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. And he said, and where is the fury of the oppressor? The Lord saying, where is that uh, destruction? He he has no power to destroy unless I allow it. And that's the same thing Jesus is trying to translate here, I guess, and communicate here is that, Listen, why are you fearful, uh, O ye of little faith? The storm, listen, one thing that happens, you know, of course, he gets up and he calms the storm. The storm opens their eyes. They're it, it wiping the, the water out of their eyes and, and looking. They, now they, they get a, a a revelation of the power of the one they serve. They're, they've seen him heal sick people. They've seen him do some things. But, friend, they had never seen him calm uh, the winds and the sea as so much as they marveled in it and said, What manner of man is this? And so uh, what you've got to remember, what I've got to remember, is that uh, don't you think that their faith was a little bit stronger now? Don't you think that they had grown in their trust of Jesus, that they learned that in the middle of the storm, that even though it seemed like he was uncaring, that he really did care, that even though they thought they would perish, they did not perish. Don't you think their faith was now a little more abundant? They were uh, starting to have abundant faith in situations. I promise you, they would never worry about a boat ride again when they got in the boat with him. Because they knew what he could do. And that storm opened their eyes to a new level of the ministry and power of Jesus. It let them know he is the God of the storm. The scripture says in Nahum 1 and 3 that the Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. Proverbs 30 and 4 asks the question who has gathered the wind in his fist? And who has bound up the waters in a garment? Well, do you know who? Do you know who it is? It goes on to ask, what is his name? And what is his son's name if you can tell? Well, I tell you, I can tell you today who has the power over the storm. I can tell you who gathers the wind in his fist and who binds the waters in a garment. His name is Jesus. He said, I and my father are one. I can tell you his name and I can tell you his son's name. And it's the same name and it's Jesus. And what he wants us to do sometimes is uh, for our faith to grow, he's going to let us go through some things. And let me tell you, you may never be out on a a boat. You may never get out on a storm on the sea. But let me tell you, I don't care if you're on dry land or out in the middle of the ocean, storms are going to come. You've got to remember that. You you can believe that storms are headed your way. It's going to happen. And so we need to learn some things from the storm. There's some things we can consider by reading about these disciples tonight and, and understand this. In verse 23, where we started, it says, and When he was, or when Jesus was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. He went in the boat, they went behind him. Sometimes following Jesus can lead you to stormy situations. You can say, well, if he'd have stayed on the land, they'd have stayed on the land. That's right. But the storm can come over on the land just as well. You know, in that very region back in, I think it was 1992, there was such a storm came off of that lake that 10-foot waves uh, went over uh, onto land into downtown Tiberias and and caused a lot of damage. It, It started out on the sea, but it went all the way to the land. I don't care where you are, land or sea, storms are headed your way. And if you're following Jesus, it can lead to stormy situations. David said in Psalm 23, speaking about the Lord, his shepherd, he said, he leads me. He's leading me. In other words, I'm following him. And guess where it says he follows him? He, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes where he leads us is going to cause us to, to get in certain situations. And it could be fearful because it's actually real. It's actually happening. And we know, uh, but he said, thy rod and thy staff, it comforts me. So let me tell you, wherever I am, there he is. And what we need to learn and what Jesus is trying to get them to see is that, hey, yeah, I know that the storm is real. And I realize that uh, it's dangerous for people without me. But you're not without me. You need to know tonight that, hey, yeah, it can be bad for people who don't know the Lord. But you know the Lord. Uh, people of God who've been filled with His Spirit. We know what Jesus can do. We know what He's going... We've been through the fire. We've been through the flood and He's never forsaken us. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I love that scripture. I quote it all the time But and I love just thinking, but I've seen Him in about every situation that you can think of, but I have never seen Him forsaken. Jesus will not stand idly by and let you just be destroyed. You've got to believe that. And so if you are his disciple, get ready. If you're going to uh, follow, you know, we think, Woo, I wish I had heard the Lord say, Follow me. Well, he has said, Follow me. But Jesus is going to walk in places that other people don't normally walk. He, let me tell you, he'll, he'll be in the fiery furnace. We think that the boys went there and then Jesus showed up. Oh, he was already there. He, he he didn't say uh, let them roll around for a few minutes before he got there. He was already waiting on them when they got there. Jesus went before them. Let me tell you, he's always before us, always going in front of us, always leading us. He's our shepherd. Now, Jesus was not surprised by this storm. He didn't, wow, I don't remember ordering a storm up <laughs> I don't remember allowing this. He knew it was coming. He was not surprised by their lack of faith. He wasn't surprised by any of it. Listen, but storms are opportunities for the miraculous. Storms can be used as a great teaching tool for the disciples and and a a great time for us to learn what Jesus can do. And on this night, instead of him saying, "Mm, I'm just going to let a soft breeze push us over to the other shore, Jesus chose to strengthen these 12 men's faith. Instead of calming their stress and reassuring their hearts that night. He, he, instead of saying, hey, everything," he, he said, I'm going to let the boat rock for a while. I'm going to let the wind just blow. I'm not going to touch it. I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to let the waves, it said they were coming over the ship. The winds were covering uh, the boat. And so uh, I'm just going to take me a nap while this is happening. I'm just going to let it go on, and I'm going to teach these guys something about the storm." Sometimes you've got to get uh, some wind blowing and some waves rocking to re- make you remember who Jesus actually is. And on that night, Jesus said, "I'm going to teach them something about me. He, I'm going to show them what I can do." It's the same. It's the same lesson He taught. Uh, to the family of Lazarus to Mary and Martha both of them said Lord if you had been here our brother would not have died you know why they said that? because they had seen him heal over and over and over again but this time he said no I'm going to let him lie in the ground four days and let the flesh begin to rot on his body and then I'm just going to roll up in here and say Lazarus come forth and he that was dead came forth let me tell you he taught them something that day that I am not just the healer of all your diseases but I am the resurrection and I am the life. And don't you know anytime they saw somebody getting sick again it wasn't just about I know the healer but I know the resurrection and the life. Their, their faith was now an abundant faith. It was just overflowing because what they had seen Jesus do. And so we need to take these times of, of trial and test, these times of, of fear, and realize that Jesus is trying to teach us something in the middle of our storm. Jesus wants us to remember who he is. Listen. Remember, it said, he said it of himself. He said, the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. But you know that means he led him. Satan came to the Lord, and the Lord said, "Have you considered Job? Well, let me take all this stuff. Go ahead. Let me touch. Let me take his health. Go ahead. You just can't kill him. Do all you want to, but you just can't kill him. Bring the storms. Take his stuff. Do all kind of things. Do what you want to do, but you're not going to do. You're not going to take his life." And that's why Job could say, though he slayed me, yet will I trust him. Job uh, trusted God. He, he knew something about God. He'd been through some things. And and so Jesus said, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. But that again, that abundant life doesn't come in a gift box with a bow. It doesn't come all nice and pretty and soft. It comes through fire. It comes through wind. It comes through flood. It comes through roaring lions. It comes through sickness. It comes through disease. It comes through lies and horror heartache and stress and all kind of things that go crazy in your life, it comes through the storm. It comes through the whirlwind. It comes through those times of of, of darkness. It comes in those valleys. It comes in those midnight hours. It comes when when you've been betrayed. All these That's when you start getting that life more abundantly. That's where that abundant faith starts coming from because it's there that you've got to start trusting God. It was Jesus that came. We say, oh, I want that abundant life. Oh, we shout about it. Oh, Jesus came to give me life and life more abundantly. Praise God, I'm going to get that abundant life. Pop! What was that? Abundant faith. That was a bloody nose. Well, you think Paul and Silas sitting in there with their lips busted, black eyes, stripes on their back, and they singing and praising. they just singing and praising and man's things start rumbling and shaking and chains falling off and doors flying open again. Hey, they learned something that night. They learned that it don't matter how tight the chains are and how fast they lock the door that I know somebody that can open them. I know somebody that can do something. And they might have had faith prior to that but, but that abundant faith, it just a super abundance of, of trusting God and believing that, hey, even through bloodied lips and black eyes and stripes on our backs, God still came through. Yeah, that abundant faith don't come with a box of chocolates. It comes with a knuckle sandwich sometimes. It comes with a a kick to the stomach. It comes to a slap upside the head. It comes to bad news. But when you start trusting Jesus, you realize it's going to all come out all right. Job said, when he has tried me, I'm going to be gold. So Jesus sometimes will strengthen our faith instead of reducing our stress. (laughs) Because uh, he doesn't just give us more faith. We're like, Lord, increase my faith. Watch it. Yeah. He didn't just, wait, I got some right here in my pocket. Hang on. No, he says, hey, i tell you what. I'll give opportunities for your faith to grow. That's what God's going. He's going to give you an opportunity for your faith to grow. That's why we get things from Paul writing and Paul, the things he went through the things he wrote about how he was stoned and left for dead and, and the stripes he received and, and shipwrecked three times in the in the floating out in the sea for three days and three nights and we know he had serpents biting him on the hand, all kind of things going on in his life. But he he said this in Romans five and three. He said. We glory in tribulation also because we know something now about tribulation. That tribulation works patience. And patience, experience, and experience hope. Man, let me tell you, the path to hope. We love hope. Hope, we have the Hebrews six nineteen said, hope we have like an anchor for the soul. But let me tell you, the pathway to hope <laughs> It, it ain't it ain't going to be flat and smooth and easy it's going to be tribulation and then patience and then experience and then hope i've said it before hope is the great grandchild of tribulation you know, some you get you get some things passed down from your grandparents, and, and sometimes you'll see your grandkids. They say, "Man, they look just like their grandparents, or the great grandkids." Man, you look just like your grandparents. And let me tell you, they, you ain't gonna get hope without some resemblance of tribulation in it. It's going to be passed down. It's going to have some characteristics of patience in it as well, and it's going to have some characteristic of experience in it. It's going to all. Work. It's all got the same DNA, but it started with tribulation. And I'm glad tonight to know that that tribulation ain't the end of it. It didn't say, and we just have tribulation. He said, oh, the tribulation works something, it's some patience. The Bible says, in your patience you possess your soul and let patience have her perfect work. Patience knows what it's doing. And then experience. Oh, that's why the Lord could look at you now and say, why are you so fearful, O ye little faith? Because you've been in this boat before. You've seen this storm before. You, you've you seen me do Great and mighty things before, and and have you forgotten who you are? And have you forgotten who you serve? I'm glad tonight I know that I still serve the Lord of glory. Another thing we can remember is this that our faith is not tested on smooth glass like sea, but it is tested when life is out of control. Our faith is tested when the wind is howling, when the waves are threatening. When we're screaming, where's the Lord? Don't he care? When we're saying, can't he see me and can't he hear me? When we're thinking, all I was doing was following him. How did I end up here? But I remember Peter saying that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold. That perishes. He said in one place that we will receive the end of our faith, the salvation of our soul. Let me tell you, above all else, I must be saved. And if it's going to take the trial of my faith to to build me up, to strengthen me, to help me have faith in God, well, then so be it because one day I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant and in this life of carrying crosses, and in this life of preaching the gospel, and in this life of shining a light for him, honey, we're going to have to not just have faith, we're going to need some abundant faith. We're going to have to go through some things. Let me ask you, if you had to have heart surgery, you want, I don't want to be nobody's first heart surgery. They tell me, hey, this has got to be operated on and the only person we got here today, well, they just graduated. This will be their first surgery. (laughs) No, it won't be. (laughs) I'll wait for that that guy that's got about uh, 500 surgeries under his belt. Well, guess what? In them 500 surgeries, he may have had some that he lost on the table. That's all right. They learn. A good surgeon learns. From, uh, things that happen. He, he can, he can recognize things. I understand that humans are not perfect, but let me tell you, God has seen every situation and he's never made a mistake. And God has seen all that goes on and nothing's ever went wrong that's under his hand. And, and so let me, tell you, I, I trust God tonight and I trust him with my, my, my soul. I, <clears throat> I have committed the keeping of my soul unto him yes. as unto a faithful creator. And I believe that God, <clears throat> excuse me, oh, sometimes we just <clears throat> get get a little dry. That's all right. But what I do know tonight is that God is faithful. And he will try. We will be tried sometimes. Peter said, think it not strange the fiery trial that is to try you like some strange thing happened unto you. Why do we think? that when we come and start following him, that we will never have a situation or a problem. Whoever said that, it ain't in the scripture. If it is, I wish somebody could find it. Because even in that sweet little Psalm 23, it's talking about the valley of the shadow of death and the presence of enemies. He's talking about uh, the need for a rod and a staff. Hey, hey, he don't use that to scratch you back. He uses that to snatch you back. And he uses that to... Uh, He'll use that to, to ward off and fight off the, the wolves and the things that are coming against you. And uh, I, I read about roaring lions and things like that and and enemies of my soul. I know that that uh, they that live godly after Christ shall be persecuted. I understand it. So honey, let me tell you, you got to hang in there and have some faith. I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I followed him into the storm, and all I can see is winds howling, waves threatening. you know, sometimes it's not about what you see. Faith is about what you don't see. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Let me tell you, God is in control even in the storm. You might not be able to see him. Job said, I can't see him. I've looked in front of me, and I've looked behind. I've looked on my left, and I've looked on my right, and I cannot perceive him. But what I do know is this. See, he still had faith even though he couldn't see him. And that faith was the evidence of things unseen. He knew God was on his side. He knew God knew the way that he took. He said, he knows the way I go. God's got it all in his hand. Even though I can't see him, he is still in control. And I think what we can read uh, in this story about these disciples and Jesus in that boat that night is simply... uh, You've got to believe this, surely. Jesus expects more from those who know him. I've got to believe that God expects more from his people. And listen, if, if somebody don't know him, they don't know who the Bible says, how can they call on him whom they have not heard? If they don't know about him, how can they call on him? How can they reach out to him? How can they pray? But, but for those of us that have called on him and seen him come through time and time again, and, and those of us that have been baptized in his name and filled with the Holy Ghost, I mean, how, how can we not think that he expects a little bit more from us? He expects that knowing that we're human. He expects that knowing that our life is just a vapor. He expects a little more from us even though he remembers our frame that we are dust. He knows that his ways are higher than our ways and he he realizes that he's God and we're his children, but he expects more from those who know him. Just like I expect more from my kids than other people's kids. They don't know me as their dad. They don't know me as a parent, as an authority figure in their life, but my kids do. And so I might be somewhere and some little kid stick his tongue out and say, you ain't my daddy. And while I would love to uh, show him a thing or two, I can't because he's right. I'm not his daddy. And whoo, that lights me up. Uh, Kids say something like that. My goodness. But if my kid were to look at me and say, you can't tell me what to do. Now we're in a whole new arena. Things are about, they're about to learn some things in the whirlwind and the storm about their father. They're about to find out what can happen uh, when you talk to your father like that. And, and so I understand that Jesus expects more from his children. He, he even said this in Luke 12 and 48. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required. That's the scripture. I can't change that. Now, to question their faith in the middle of that storm. Again, let's just get the picture. The storm's not even calm yet. The boat's still rocking. They're stumbling, grabbing on the things, trying to hold on. Water dripping down their face. Maybe bloody knees and busted lips from flipping around in that boat. the I mean, scared, trembling, 12 grown men, some of them probably crying. I don't know what's going on in that boat. He wasn't trying to shame them. He wasn't saying, why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? He wasn't trying to make them feel small. And But he wanted them... See, Jesus sees the big picture. He, he knows that, listen, I'm not going to be with you in flesh and blood forever. I'm not going to be right here with you all along. I've got... you know, I need you. I'm trying to get you to examine yourself so you can see what's really going on. I'm trying to make you and help you learn to trust me in the storm. No matter what you see going on, no matter what has happened to you in the rocking of this boat, I'm trying to help you have faith in me and trust me. I, I'm not trying to shame you and discourage you and, and get you to walk away, but I'm trying to. to I, when you see me this calm, when you see me just saying, hey, I'm asking a question. Why are you so fearful? And, and, and why, why are you uh, having so little faith? I, I'm trying to get you to learn something here. Trials are going to be coming your ways. He knew what was coming. He knew how they would be persecuted. He knew how they would be pursued and, and, and locked up and beat. He knew how they would lose their very lives. He knew what was coming. He said, i got to get you some abundant faith. i got to get some faith in you. It ain't enough you just follow me for the miracles and the loaves. It ain't enough you just follow me so you can see people raised from the dead and, and sickness and leprosies cast out and demons cast out. I, I need you to have some faith on your own. He prayed for Peter. He said, oh, you're going to be sifted, Peter, but I have prayed that your faith fail not. When you're converted, strengthen the brethren. When everything's done, you go on and preach that word. You'll still have something in you that will work. And and that's what he's trying to tell them. Once this storm is over, I want you to realize some things that, that I and with you in this boat, and that I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. And and uh, one day, he you know, he told him he said, one day I'm going away. He said, but if I go away, the comforter is going to come. And we know that's the Holy Ghost, and now we know it lives inside of us, and greater is he that's in us and he that's in the world. And so whatever boat we find ourselves in, hey, you know, your boat, may, you may never get in a boat. Some people are afraid of water, so they, they, they're not going to see a boat, but your your boat could be a prison cell. It could be a courtroom. It could be an emergency room, an operating room. Your storm might be a pink slip, a doctor's report, an eviction notice, the death of a loved one that caused grief in your life so desperately. And guess what? Every bit of that's real, and every bit of it produces real emotions and emotional responses. But Jesus still has the power to steal the storm. And our faith in times of trouble will bring us to a new level of understanding. It will bring us to a new level of hope when we see what God can do. But you've got to trust Him. You've got to believe in Him. You've got to know that, hey, uh, He didn't call me to follow Him so I could be destroyed by this world. And so when we get in these storms, it's, it's obvious, hey, the more intense the storm, then the more obvious the calm is when it comes. Whatever you've been going through, no matter how rough it's been, let me tell you, the calm's going to be that much better. Read it, when you read this story about the storm, it says, when it starts out, it said there arose a great tempest. But when Jesus got through speaking, it said there was a great calm. Just like that, a great tempest went to a great calm. Just like a great calm went to a great tempest. Listen, it's not always going to be in that order where everything's just being tore up. Sometimes it's going to be Jesus calming it down. Sometimes we're going to see some things happening just as quickly as it came on us, it's going to go away. God's going to take care of it. And so, we're going to have fear sometimes. At the beginning of this, I I read the scripture along with this story. Psalm 56 and 3, what time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. And so, we know that fear can come, but I don't want to stay fearful. Fearful indicates that I am in a constant state of fear. That I am just sure that something bad is going to happen. That I'm not going to come out of this. Our fears... Now, here's the thing. They can be real or they can be imagined. Our fears can be ra- rational. Drowning was a rational fear for them guys in that boat because the boat was filling up with water and, and they didn't know how long it was going to be before they just flipped over and they were way out in the middle. And how, would they be able to swim or go anywhere? They were going to drown. Fear, that fear of drowning was rational. But also fears can be Irrational. And thinking that God does not care is irrational. Thinking that God doesn't see, that's irrational. Thinking that God is not concerned with you or that he is just leaving you to die, that's irrational. And like I said, it can produce a reaction. I don't want to act on an irrational fear and walk away from God. Well, he don't care about me. I don't care about him. Oh, you just need to trust him. What if they just said, he don't care. He's down there asleep. Let's just try to swim. That's the best we can do. They'd all drown in the sea. you got to stay in the ship. Paul was in the middle of a great storm on a ship. He was a prisoner on that ship. And people started saying, hey, we've, we've thrown things overboard. We've lightened the load. We're working in this storm. But hey, you know what? Uh, we got to go. Let's just get out of the boat. And Paul said, there will be no loss of any man's life. We will lose the ship. But, but no man's life will be lost as long as they abide in the boat. you got to stay in the vessel that God put you in. you got to stay with it. Praise God. You need to stay with the church. You need to stay with the body. No matter what's going on, no matter how. Hey, the body of Christ will go through trials and tribulations, but the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, both kinds of fear, real or, uh, or imagined, can freeze us and paralyze us. Real or imagined, if you believe it, it has the same feeling. It, you know what? You could hear something, wake up in the middle of the night and hear something. You're like, somebody's in my house. They're fixing to kill me. But it's nobody. But if you believe that it's somebody, it has the same exact feeling. Whether you your bedroom door is closed and you're like I'm not opening the door because they're out there they're out there they're not out there but to you they are and you're just as afraid because you are so sure that you heard somebody It is something uh, falling over in the pantry or something like that you uh, your, your animals or something like that but fear has torment. First John 4 to 18 says, fear has tormented. As long as we stay in a fearful state, always tormented. Now, the Bible does not deny the reality of our human experience. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points as we were. It does not deny the reality of human experience when we see that people have died in the scripture with their family members were grieved. But it will lift us to a higher level of faith. I preached about J- uh, Jairus uh, and his daughter. And on the way back to the house to have her healed, they met him and said, Your daughter is dead. Don't bother the master any further. And Jesus said, Don't be afraid, only believe. He knew that this man's heart was crushed. He knew that this man was about to fall apart. And he said, I want to lift you to a higher level of faith. I know what you feel right now. And I know that your word and you're crushed. And the thing of your little daughter laying there lifeless is is terrifying to you right now. But listen, I'm trying to lift you up. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. So I've got to learn to build up myself on my most holy faith. When I get afraid, pray and pray in the Holy Ghost and lift yourself up so you can have that abundant faith. The story, this same story in Mark 4 and 38, they actually said, Don't you care? I wonder how Jesus felt. When they could actually look him in the face and say, don't you care? Of course, they didn't know the extent of what he was come to do yet. But we know. How could we ever look at him and say, don't you care when he gave his very life for us? But that statement there is is not so much about the fear of dying in the storm. It was the the fear of abandonment in the storm. Because they knew they were powerless, 12 men powerless against the sea and the master seemed to be indifferent to their problem and storms are hard enough when we have the Lord but to go through them without anybody or to feel like God has forsaken us or doesn't even care is a crushing weight that most people cannot even bear but Peter was in that boat and he wrote something like this in his first letter Maybe it was, I'm sure, from all the experiences that he had, and it, maybe it wasn't just from this perilous boat ride he was on that night, but he did say this in First Peter 5 and 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. No matter how stormy it gets, you just make sure you cast your care on the Lord. Because when all you do is sit and worry, worry, it never goes well. Worry will reverse your faith. Worry will make you think that your worst fears are going to come to pass. Worry causes you to believe that God doesn't care and that things are just going to get worse. When worry begins to take over and take control, man, it can crush you. It can kill your faith. It can put the light out. But we're supposed to cast our care on Him. Our worries, give it to Him, because He care. He does care about you. There's, if you read, there are studies that say that worry will is keeping it to yourself is is very harmful to your health, not just your physical health, but you, or your mental health, but also your physical health. And that if you will share with someone, that oftentimes you can think out a solution and work out things. It's always better to have somebody to talk to. Well, who better to cast your cares on than the one that made you? Who better to cast your cares on than Jesus of Nazareth? Who better to give your care and worry to? You know, an old song we you sing, you know, take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. We used to, uh, you know, sing about it, you know, uh, leave it at the altar and, and things like that. Just give it up. Give it to Jesus. Let Jesus have it. Because he cares for you. And you can't do nothing about it. You're just like them 12 men in the storm. that You can't stop the wind and the waves. That night that Jesus said, oh, you have little faith, he didn't expect them to get up and say, peace be still. They didn't know nothing about that kind of power yet. He didn't expect them to calm the storm. He wanted them to trust him. He wanted to build their faith in him. Was it time for them to stop start declaring things in His name yet? He, they, he wanted them to learn about Him. So don't let worry eat you up. Just place yourself in His care. In times of fear, in times of worry, you've got to believe that God will sustain you. God's going to take care of you. Praise God. So remember. This is a working faith. Faith without works is dead. This is a working faith. And when we begin to, to work, we get better. You know, whenever you started any kind of job, before you ever, whatever you went to, you were nowhere as good on the first day as you were the 10th day. 10 days of work, you learn some things. You, you're in a routine. You know what's going on. You know you're starting to learn. And if you stayed on a job 20 years, hey, let me tell you, you're a lot better in that 20th year than you ever were in your first year. You're a lot better. You're wiser. You've learned some things. You, you, you've been on the job. You've seen good days and bad days. You know uh, when problems arise, how to handle it. You know on days when it's smooth, other things you can do to get more done. You You've learned all the ins and outs. And let me tell you, walking with him and serving him and carrying that cross daily, let me tell you, you're going to be a lot better at it years down the road than you were at the beginning. A lot of times we we'll say, oh, I wish I had the faith I had when I first came in. I've said that. It's pretty silly. I would hope that I could say, man, I have grown every day with Jesus, and my faith is stronger now than it's ever been. But I know that we do... Sometimes have to go back and call to remembrance the former days when we endured such a great fight of affliction. There are times, you know, sometimes the faith of a child is is great. But I'm not a child anymore. I'm his child always, but I'm not young, immature. I've got to have, take some responsibility for this walk with God and and I, I know much, so now much is required. I can't act like, hey, Lord, I didn't know. I, I didn't know you could do that. Wow, you can heal? I had no idea about that. I didn't know you could really do things that, that the Bible says you could actually do. I've read that, but you know, there'll be no excuse. I want to have that abundant faith tonight. Praise God. The disciples, I believe, asked in one place, said, Lord, increase our faith. Well, what do you think that boat ride was about? What do you think that uh, feeding multitudes in the desert was about? What do you think raising people from the dead and casting out devils was about? Everything Jesus did was a learning experience for them so they could do it when he was gone. He said, the things I've done you'll do and greater things shall you do. You know why? Abundant faith. Let's pray together tonight. Lord, we love you and thank you for your word. Thank you for the faith that you've given us. and, And Lord, thank you. And we know trials are not pleasant. It's fiery trials sometimes. But I know that, Lord, you're there with us, that you go before us. So, Lord, let us learn in these times of tribulation to trust you and believe you and always remember that you care for us. We love you tonight. Thank you for your word. Bless all that heard it tonight in Jesus' name. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for being with us on live stream tonight. Don't forget Mother's Day. Drive through Mother's Day celebration from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. for one hour. Praise God. Hope you'll join us. We'll see you next time. God bless you.